Welcome to Purpose Inc., the podcast where we discuss corporate purpose and stakeholder capitalism. I'm your host, Michael Young. Michelle and Glenn, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks Thank for, having, for us. having us. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Excellent, excellent. And uh, lots to talk about, lots to get into. Um, but maybe just to you know kick it off, um, if you could each give me just your potted bio, professional background, and then I want to get into what you do and why you're doing it, all of which is super interesting. We'll kick it off, Michelle. Uh, sure. Um, so my name is Michelle Lanza. My pronouns are she, her. Um, and, you know, I spent what I like to call a million years at Ketchum Communications, which is a global communications consultancy. And I ran global talent acquisition and retention strategies and was a key partner in their um, DE&I efforts. And I made the bold, hopefully super smart decision to leave in June to focus um, um, on work wider. That is my story. Glenn. Hey, well, I am Glenn Singleton. My pronouns are he and him. And I uh, decided about 30 years ago, Michael, that I wanted to um, address the issue of racial inequity, uh, the lack of racial diversity, and the lack of racial inclusion, uh, first in the education space, and then wherever it would take me. And 30 years later, we are uh, doing that work across the United States, across a variety of industries and various strategic points around the world, including Europe, uh, Australia, New Zealand, Canada. Fantastic. And if you um, would talk about your collaboration together at Work Wider, and, and let's just get into what the company does and and um, why, you know, what, 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 was exi- what was missing in the marketplace that had you start Work Wider? Yeah, so um, Work Wider is a full career professional community, which brings together the workforce needed by the workplaces of today. And we are for underrepresented talent, which means BIPOC, LGBTQ+, people with disabilities, neurodifference, veterans, women, and 50-plus. And we we started Work Wider about three and a half years ago and officially launched in January of 2020, which was a super interesting time to launch a business like this. Um, and honestly, um, Glenn and I were in discussions for uh, what feels like a very long time um, before we made our partnership official. And I think I won't speak for Glenn, I'll let him chime in, but I think part of the reason that there was an attraction to have work wider and and have Glenn be a part of it is because of the 30 years of work that he was doing. And this, you know, I, I, I say that you can't recruit your way out of the diversity challenge 
of having underrepresented people represented in companies. And the work that Glenn's doing in Courageous Conversations is really the important work to make sure companies are building cultures of inclusion so that when they go to hire through WorkWider, they can hire people of underrepresented communities into companies that are actually building inclusive communities or cultures rather. Glenn, do you want to chime in on that? Yeah, I think um, the the piece that is so important for me that you that you mentioned was how long we spent just getting to know each other and to uh, understand uh, our purpose uh, beneath the work of uh, Workwider. And uh, so this, uh, I remember the conversation, the initial conversation. Um, Michelle was introduced to me by our client uh, who is running a major advertising agency and also um, who is a uh, work wider uh, partner. And um, he indicated that Michelle uh, had this vision of creating this workplace, um, but uh, creating an opportunity for people who would populate this workplace that my work was so focused on um, in every organization across all industries, it is this conversation about how we have the most inclusive space and how we actually inspire and invite people from all walks of life to, to bring their absolute best, to bring their wholeness um, and to offer that, uh, offer those gifts. And uh, so work wider is just that. And um there's this this place in my work that I am uh, helping organizations to uh, create this kind of of environment, and there is this place in my life called Work Wider where um, we are actually helping uh, everybody to to find a community um, where uh, they are valued, and in that community to find. Uh, organizations, companies, businesses, uh, school districts uh, that really see their value and and want to uh, be those environments. And so um, it was a a match uh, after we discovered uh, our aligned purpose. And um, it's been an exciting journey ever since. Fantastic. And um, you you, you talk, uh, Michelle, you mentioned not being able to recruit your way to a better better representation um i just would love your both of your thoughts on on how do you create that new space within a workplace um and how do you think about um the 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 evolution of dei for organizations broadly and just would love to hear about some of that um, from from both of you. Sure, we are we are actually evolving that definition uh, in the organization that we're building. Workwider uh, is a place that is first and foremost thinking about the uh, more complex issues of equity. Uh, the population is already diverse. Uh, the people are already there. It's just that the organizations aren't yet prepared for the people. 
And so um, this whole idea of even uh, removing the pressure on diversity and thus the diverse hire, as it was called, um, and having organizations really look within to see why it is that um, predictable populations, people of color, uh, people over 40 or over 50, um, women, uh, non-gender binary people, um, it, it really is a question that organizations can answer. Um, and it's not really appropriate in my mind to keep bringing people into organizations that we know have not yet prepared themselves, that hold a kind of toxicity um, that creates stress and trauma for these predictable populations. And so um, we are really uh, working to uh, be a place where organizations are able to have a guided introspection and um, able to uh, be acquainted with important tools and uh, ways to do this kind of assessment, do this kind of development. On the other side, we're, we're really interested in creating a community where um, this very valuable resource that we have, all of these incredibly diverse people, um, can come together and build those skills and um, find places that are interested in the skills and talents and uh, perspectives that they bring and make that match. Um, and uh, that's that's what uh, is different about WorkWider, I think. That's what um, is also very different about the approach that Michelle and I uh, share in terms of the, the, the more traditional um, DEI space, the EDI space uh, is really about a deeper transformation of the organization, uh, as well as you know being able to make sure that that organization looks like the world in which it sits. Yeah, and I think just to build on that, the reason I said you know you ca- you can't uh, recruit your way out of this because you you can hire a whole bunch of people from underrepresented communities, but if you haven't done the work as an organization to create the infrastructure, the culture to be able to make them want to stay, it's it's not going to matter. It's really why we um, are putting so much emphasis on not every company is on WorkWider because every company on there has signed their agreed to the WorkWider pledge, meaning that they they are on the journey. Now, this is a marathon. There's no company, no matter how much money they're spending on this, that has like solved this. But every company on WorkWider has to be on the journey to creating a culture of inclusion. And that's, I think, the key difference of WorkWider and why people that are looking for jobs or people that are just looking for a community come to WorkWider because for the first time on a platform, candidates can be assured that they're actually engaging with companies that are doing the work. Mm. That's great. And yeah, I, Glenn, I heard you, um, you know, meant, you know, put EDI in that order. Do you, is, is that, um, is that how you think about it? And then I also wanted some thoughts about inclusion because another guest I had on, um, you know, talked about, there's no a similar point, but from a different perspective, uh, this was actually in board representation. We were talking about um, uh, this topic and, you know, we said you know, there's really no point in hiring diverse candidates if you're not going to truly include them and give them 
a portfolio and, and then ultimately take the recommendations that they make. So I don't want to sort of you know, go around which order these letters need to be in. But I I, I would like you just to further unpack how, because I I take the point really uh, strongly uh, here today about, you know, the the world is already diverse, right? There's no question, right? There, you just look around. And and so then it, then it, then one has to look in the, in the mirror and say, okay, well, how, what kind of organization would we be? if we were to attract that broader workforce, but just a, a few more minutes on that. And then maybe just sort of where, and, and transition over to where companies sort of getting it right and getting it wrong as they go through this journey. Sure. Well, you know, Courageous Conversation has been around for, you know, it'll be three decades next year. And so um, I thought that it was appropriate and it's it's also uh, timely that that we call attention to and 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 ask for a kind of moratorium on experimenting on people of color, experimenting on women, experimenting on you know LGBTQ uh, people in the workplace. We we know that the workplaces as they are today were not designed to welcome these groups of people. And so uh, a, a, an easy assessment inside that organization um, at, you know, pay structures, um, an easy assessment inside to look at how uh, policies that govern, you know, time off and um, even the, the new policies that are going to speak to um where people can do their work and this work at home uh, aspect. You know, these are important cues to organizations uh, to uh, become more inclusive environments, to become more equitable environments. And and so before we continue to um, operate in that mindset of canary in the mine, you know, we should really just step back and and cause some organizations to do some deep transformation before they launch into real spectacular uh, recruitment efforts to diversify their workforce. And we've seen this as, as quite a positive. This is what the WorkWider pledge is about. It's, it's not that the organization overnight is going to become equitable, but they have to be on that journey. And that journey has to be more than a performative statement. And so uh, that's why we are pushing the equity piece first, not just to change the letters uh, or create an alphabet soup, but to really emphasize that diversity is not hard to attract when the environment is equitable. And diversity is not hard to maintain and sustain and promote when we have these um, predictable and and, uh, intentional aspects of inclusivity as a part of the culture. The good side of that, we see that um, because this work has been going on for so long, um, we are able to bring to this work wider environment some um, some best practices, if you will, of, of what that looks like. And so um, 
organizations are going to have to to look to talent much broader than the specific lane of their work. Uh, Both Michelle and I have a lot of interest, experience, and love for the advertising industry. And and this is a place where uh, creatives uh, flourish. But the definition of uh, who is creative and what does creativity look like has been so narrow. And so when we broaden that definition and when we look to fields adjacent to the advertising industry, we find a much bigger sample of people that can come in and and really make great contributions. Um, Also, you know, not just looking at the pipeline, but really looking at the top of organizations. To be an executive in a specific industry doesn't mean that you've needed to climb the ranks in that industry. And so finding people with managerial experience who are culturally responsive, who know how to supervise and and support people of color, to support women, to move higher in the ranks. These are people that we need to be looking for. And so uh, we're going to help our partners to uh, broaden that understanding and to uh, reach a bit further than perhaps they've been comfortable reaching. And we're going to help our members uh, to be more discerning, to to come to the interview with uh, specific questions that uh, organizations need to be able to answer to ensure that there's a pathway in that organization, that they're just not going to go there and sort of fester with their talent. Yeah. To add on to what Glenn said, I think one of the we were very intentional with work wider and made it industry agnostic because I think one of the challenges that, you know, to, to pick on the advertising and PR industry for a minute is, is that, you know, there, there's been this notion of we can't find them. But part of that part of that challenge, part of the reason why is because we keep fishing in the same pond versus what Glenn was saying is looking at outside and what are transferable skills that someone might bring to advertising and PR and what are some of their other lived experiences that actually make them a different candidate, but, but no less important or actually, um, you know, needed into the organization because you need to bring different thinking. You need to bring different backgrounds and different experiences. And until we start fishing in other ponds and looking at other skills and weighting skills differently, we're going to keep asking ourselves this question as an industry of why can't we be more diverse? Yeah, well, I, I, and if it's okay with you, I have no problem picking on the PR industry, as you know. (laughs) (laughs) And let them defend themselves. Exactly right. That's exactly right. They can take it. But, uh, well, I mean, it's all industries have the same challenge, but, you know, that, that one in particular, you know, the amount of underrepresented people that are saying, I'm going to get into PR advertising. So we, we have an entry level problem. We need to get more people excited Mm. about the industry. But then to Glenn's point, we also need to look at mid to senior level people. What are the, what are the adjacent industries we might want to tap into? And what are the skills that we're going to need to train someone on to make them successful? But what are the things that they bring that outweighs somebody with a more traditional background? Yeah. Well, and, you know, cognitive diversity is, is, is an immediate byproduct of that because I think, and, and again, having grown up in, in, in PR myself, an agency myself, um, you know, I know 
there there's that in there there's that that fallback um comment that we make well they don't have agency experience right we've right. you know that's this this hideous um you know safe word if you will that needs to be abolished and we've we've you know i i'm i'm pretty adamant about not not just looking for people with agency experience yes it's great but it's going to lead to the same outcomes and i think um you know we're seeing that and we're learning that um uh, it's a, so you know, Michael, sort of it's a, oh, I'm sorry, Michelle. No, please go ahead. The, um, it, it's fascinating because, um, I, I have this, this, um, um, uh, this lifestyle, this, this work that allows me to spend, um, a great deal of time in, in a variety of industry settings. And, um, I, you know, I spent very little time working in advertising. Um, I spent some time working as a professor in higher education. Um, but, you know, when I'm in the, the banking industry, when I'm in the healthcare industry, um, I, I know I can't be a doctor. And, and that's really, you know, a, a very specific set of skills and knowledge and training. But I work with a lot of people in human resources and um, in marketing inside these organizations. And I know that I could step in and learn those jobs. And, and that's not my specific background. And I also know that I have a whole host of friends and, and family members and acquaintances that are not in those specific lines of work, but have these translatable skills, this uh, ability, this intelligence, um, this, um, this sort of cultural proficiency, if you will, to step into a variety of industries. And so I think we need to break loose of this idea that you, you have to sort of play, pay your dues and climb the ranks and, and all of that kind of stuff. That is such a uh, an antiquated way of thinking about talent and talent development. And so I think that the harder question, which is what I pose to, to our clients and uh, what we're posing to our partners is do you have the management capabilities? Do you have the supervisory capabilities to show a person who is not of your demographic, be it your gender, your race, your sexual orientation, your religion, um, your perspective, do you have the capabilities to, to really coach and develop that person to move from one step on the ladder to the next. And, and that's where organizations tend to fall down. It's not that the talent is not there. It's that the ability to cultivate and develop that talent is sorely missing across industries in our, in, you know, in, in the workplaces today. Yeah, that's a really, a really good point about you know, it, 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 right. You've, you've got to change as a manager. You've got to think differently, um, as your, as your team is not, you know, doesn't look like you, doesn't come from the same backgrounds, et cetera. It, it, it is, it is, a, a, a more challenging approach. And I think the, the, there, there's this other sort of hideous fallback, which is cultural fit, Right, oh, which I just my blood mind. boils, and <laughs> and look, I I I grew up in a house. Michelle knows which one, um, where culture, you know that this this sort of this was just code for, 
you know, we don't want to try to make, you know, we don't want to change to make this person feel comfortable, right? And it wasn't just, you know, so-called diverse candidates or even minorities. It was simply anybody that just didn't fit this very um, antiquated mold of, well, they came up, you know, they... They, they, they came through the ranks just like I did. And I think that, I do think there is, um, at least, well, in our, in our organization and some, a lot of the people I talk to, I think there, people have finally gotten it, that, that that's just the road to the, you know, reifying the status quo. But I really think that, you know, some of this, you know, cultural fit or, you know, some of these things are just, they're, they're just it, it's just weak management and weaker leadership. There you go. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That is literally code for they are not like that's me. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And so, and why would you want to hire someone just like you? Because you already have you on the team. <laughs> right. So the coaching that we give is like every hire you make should be a cultural ad. You should be shifting and evolving your culture because honestly, that's what our clients, that's what clients are asking for is different thinking. So if you keep hiring a cultural fit, you're not satisfying that need that your client is asking for. Well, and, you know, I, I, I mean, I think the, you know, one, yeah, I, I mean, it just, it, it, it I, I do think that it, things have, it, it, at least in a small measure, moved in what I'm seeing and what I focus on with clients and the same advice I give clients on any topic is, we need to sort of collapse the say and the do. And how do you, you know, what are you seeing in terms of, because I agree with you, Glenn, it's not about, you know, it's not just, just, yes, it's a journey and we are going to make a pledge, but there has to be action put against that, um, you know, that pledge in the now. It's not, you know, the 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 uh, you know the net, the net zero pledge to take another example you know we're going to be net zero by 2070 well nobody or nobody here will be around but be that as it may so i think that that's one thing that i'd love some thinking around is the how do you how do you drive accountability for change on 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 this particular area and what are you seeing um, I don't know if you, either of you know Melody Hobson. I'm a huge fanboy of hers. Um, she's the chairman of Starbucks, among many other huge accomplishments. But she put in this, you know, she's she said, look, we're going to tie executive comp to the achievement of not just um, um, S and ESG, uh, the DEI dimension, but environmental, social, and governance. So how do you... What are you advising clients about in terms of, okay, how do we make this accountable and actionable? You know, I, I'm a big fan of, of melodies as well. And um, I think that the, um, the importance of uh, placing these uh, critical values uh, where uh, compensation sits, uh, where evaluation sits is important. And um, in fact, it's essential. But it, it still steps over the point that um, the business schools of yesterday, at least, uh, did not prepare people 
to manage and lead the organizations that we need right now. And so to continue to hold people accountable, but yet not equip them with the skills and give them the tools to do the work that they need to do is still going to end us up in 2070 or 2050 or next year, still not approaching the targets uh, in a way that that makes us feel good, that makes us feel like this is this is critical. And so what I believe is that um, in running a business for the past 30 years, business development is key. And so when I look at the calendars of, of my staff and, and I look at how much time has been contributed to business development, then I have an indication of where we're going to be down the road. But just because business development is on the calendar doesn't mean that it's being done efficiently and effectively. And so what is it that I need to put in place uh, in the organization to help people to really be able to do this development in an extraordinary way? I need to tie the EDI aspect to what already is valued in the organization that, that we can that we can pinpoint and say, this is the marker. So business development or, um, you know, we, we just think of the, 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 the issues that, that are critical, that are on the calendars of the C-suite, right? And we don't want to put a separate marker for EDI. We want EDI integrated into the important values that are already embraced. And so how does EDI show up in your business development, as an example, right? And and what tools are you using and what tools can we actually give now to really bolster and fortify that? That's how we're working with our partners. And that's how we want the work wider partners uh, to benefit from being a part of this uh, particular movement that we have going now. Fantastic. Any, we're going to have to leave it there. That was 30 minutes that went by in the blink of an <laughs> eye. I'm like, I can't believe we just barely <laughs> scraped the service, surface, but uh, any, any closing thoughts? I, I have one closing thought and I hope uh, a lot of folks hear this. And um, that is uh, we have been asking for this work wider community for quite some time. And for everyone out there who is a part of one of those constituencies that Michelle mentioned up front, and, and we all know who we are, right? Um, this is the place finally for us to convene and for us to, to be recognized and to be um, exposed to the kind of workplace that we have been demanding. And for all of the companies out there in the school districts and the healthcare systems that really believe that they are more than performative in their desire to diversify, to create equitable and inclusive environments, Work Wider is the place where not only you can come and find um, that talent pool, but you can come and find a source of development, both in terms of what we can provide to, to help you move forward with that pledge and also the audience, the community 
of other organizations working to do the same thing. And so I'm just calling out to everyone to um, to join us because uh, this movement is the right movement for today. Fantastic. Glenn, Michelle, thank you both for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having us. Glad to be here. Thank you. The Purposing Podcast is a production of Actual Agency, helping innovators communicate in a changing world. More at www.actual.agency.